This is the Westwards podcast, a fortnightly production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. Western Sydney is located on the traditional lands of the Darug, Gunungurra and Tharawal nations, and we acknowledge and offer our respects to all Indigenous people and to their Elders past, present and emerging. Opinions and views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the Westwards organisation. If you'd like to ask questions, offer feedback or simply learn more about what we do at Westwards, please visit westwards.com.au. All right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to today's Westwards podcast. My name is James Roy. Uh, I'm joined today by Chris Donahue, who's our uh, associate producer. How are you, Chris? I'm doing okay. You're doing okay. And we've also got a special guest, uh, Wei Chim. Hi, Wei. How are you? I'm very well today. Thanks for having me. That's okay. We'll get um, to what you're going to be talking about in just a tick. Today is, of course, the Tuesday, the 20th of October, uh, 2020. And as we always do, we're going to have a a quote. Now, Chris doesn't know who this is. This is a special surprise for Chris. This is always like a mystery road, I swear. Yeah, okay. So you'll be excited to know. Well, we had a couple of options first of all. We had Wanda Jackson who sang that song, Let's Have a Party. But I went looking for quotes for Wanda Jackson and I got um, basically lyrics from her song such as, I've never kissed a bear, I've never kissed a goon, but I can shake a chicken in the middle of the room. (laughs) Which... That sounds like that sounds like it's out of my dad's um, right Mustang. Exactly. So I didn't feel that that told us a lot about the writer's life. Um, Shaking chickens in the middle of the room isn't really what we do. So um, I I bypassed her. Then I got to Tom Petty, and again, Tom Petty was basically didn't have a lot to say. Basically, just he was pretty petty. He was (laughs) exactly. But then, but then I was really delighted to see that uh, in this day in 1964, one Kamala Harris was born. So it's actually Kamala Harris's birthday today. And if anyone is listening uh, from the United States, um, get out and vote because there's a lot at stake. Go vote. <laughs> and in fact, Wei Chim, who we're about to talk to, is from the United States. Are you still eligible, eligible to vote, Wei? I am very eligible and have already voted, very importantly. So, yes. But you're from New York? Yes, I'm from New York. So, it's probably a pretty given result there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Probably okay, but still important and still wherever you're from, wherever. No, definitely. Everyone has to vote. It's so important. It is important. Yeah, if you don't, if you vote, if you don't vote, then I kind of feel like you've foregone your. um, your right to have an opinion anymore, to be honest. Anyway, that's just my personal view. Um, But regardless of how people vote, you've got to get out and vote. But Kamala Harris is on the frame, isn't she, Chris? It's very timely. Very timely. So here's what she had to say, and I think this is going to be timely as well. Um, Our unity is our strength and our diversity is our power. We reject the myth of us versus them. We are in this together. Discuss. Why? What do you make of that? I think... Definitely, she's spot on, and I'm so delighted that she's on the ticket to be observing things like that. Because absolutely, this everything that's been happening in recent history, and 
accelerated more, I think, more recently in the past, you know, in this lead up of everything. But as writers, as people, as human beings, we really have to celebrate how we're different and also come together as humans and recognize that, you know, that experience, all the vulnerabilities we have as human beings, that's what makes our art and our creation powerful. So she's got it spot on. And I think I revere her. She's great. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, and what about you, Chris? What what do you make of that? Well, I mean, she can't avoid it. She's she kind of embodies the amalgamation of races in her life and in her physical structure. So that would be part of her experience. Yeah, she's a whole bunch there. of firsts, isn't she? She's the first yeah. African American. She's the first South Asian woman to mm-hmm. be nominated for 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 major office. Um, I kind of find it a little bit distressing when I hear that people are going, well, she's not really African-American because she, her, one of her parents was from Haiti, but so she's not really African-American, she's just American. I go, but the people from... Where do they think the where people do they think the from, from, from Haiti, Haiti came, came from? Exactly, yeah. exactly right. I mean, that makes her part of the African diaspora. It's not, it's not a, um, you know, it's not really a talking point. Well, no, as my friend Shannon no. would say, it's not rocket surgery, is it? So, um, <laughs> rocket surgery. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So Wei, um, Wei Chim, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? We now know that you're from New York originally, but you now consider yourself uh, an Australian writer. Um, you came out here, you are telling me yesterday you came out here for study and stayed for love. Um, <laughs> and you've written a number of books, the most recent of which is... The Surprising Power of a Good Dumpling. The Surprising yes. Power of no. a Good Dumpling. So can you tell us a little bit about what the, what, what the, what the go is with that book? Um, Sizing Power of a Good Dumpling is my young adult, contemporary young adult that um, I published last year and it's coming out in the United States. So if anyone is listening in the United States, it comes out in the U.S. Um, on the 10th of November. With so which, lots of which exciting publisher? things happen. You better tell us which uh, publisher. I'm with Scholastic Press. Right. Yes. It'll be with, out with Scholastic Press. Mm-hmm. We're amazing publishers out there um, distributing nice and widely. So yeah, and it's a contemporary young adult set in Sydney that basically looks at a teenager coming of age in tumultuous times, basically because her mom suffers from undiagnosed mental illness. Mm. And she's trying to get by and, um, you know, do everything that a quote-unquote normal teenager does. But she has to deal with everything that's happening at family and things are a little bit difficult. And I think the main thing of this story is that it does kind of embrace this idea that there isn't anything nor that there is no such thing as normal that what we typically think of as everyone has a common experience that's not always the truth but how can you sit comfortably with that as someone who's coming of age and you know hopefully it doesn't it gives a little bit of emotional heft to it and gives you some ideas of how what life can be like when you're coming from a different background um, my background is Cantonese so I lean a lot on that in this story and, and yeah. is is the approach to to mental health is is it how is it different from the non non Asian um, approaches if at all? Definitely, well, certainly within the community, and it's definitely something that I know a lot of diasporic um, identifying individuals like myself recognize that Asian communities do. There's a lot of stigma around mental health. It's not something that's talked about. There's not a lot of support. It's seen as something very shameful and. It goes back for various many reasons through, you know, generations and century and really does come down to the culture. But it can be very harmful. And I think especially, you know, in situations like 
what the true family is going through in um, the book, it, without that resource, without that support, it's just very lonely and isolating and people can feel very confused. And that's sort of the elements of mental health that I explore through the book and hopefully want to generate more dialogue around the subject matter because it does need to be discussed. Where did the impetus to actually write something that dealt with mental health and, yeah, I mean, that's, to me, that's such a timely intersection as the cultural intersection and the mental health. Um, yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where did your imp- personal impetus come from to um, Yeah, it's definitely based a lot on things that I've observed. Um, family, I think, you know, my family has been personally affected by mental health mental well-being issues um and yeah but it is known i think i came about the idea wanting to explore it as i want to write a book that talks about um mental health in asian communities because i think something needs to be done with it's done about that and i think as writers when you're really passionate about something if it does have personal ties you really kind of set yourself out there to do something and, and kind of yeah bring a story to life that bring ties all these truths that you see around you together what has been what has been the um, response from readers thus far? Response of readers has been really really wonderful, and every time I've just been so blown away by how re- different readers of different backgrounds and different um, yeah different ideologies kind of have really connected with the story on different levels. So some of them might connect with it on the mental health level. Some of it might connect with it on the cultural. Lots of people are connecting it simply by the fact that it's set in Sydney and it's set in the inner west, you know. And I think those little elements, I've just been so amazed and touched and oftentimes just end up like ugly crying at my phone as I read some of the responses that people have had. So it's been really, really wonderful to see that type of response to this type of book. Definitely. Yeah, I think it, I'm, I mean, all of those things are things that run deep in people's own personal experiences so I can imagine that there's a lot of triggers as they're reading reading through it I mean I loved the title when I first saw it I, thought it so I had nothing to do with the title that was my publisher this is one of those amazing God things so when you work them. with the powerful too yeah yeah no my publishers in Australia are Alan and Unwin so it's published with Scholastic Press in the, in the states or will be my publishers in Australia are Alan and Unwin, and they were just fantastic and took to this book would not be what it is without you know their yeah their wonderful love and care to bring it into what it is. So, yeah, I think at really some fun. time we're going to have to talk to you about. Um, I want to do a, an episode at some point where we talk to people about how how food is written about in 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 fiction. Mm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I'd love to sort of talk to you about that at some point, and you don't have to stick to dumplings as a. There's a breadth of food out there, isn't there? I can explore. There's so much wealth of food to explore. Oh, totally. I'm gonna. I'm starting this uh, to read this anthology uh, called Hungry Hearts by Elsie Chapman. But it's basically, it's absolutely, it's everything about food. Short story anthology, all about food, but nice. heart and love and emotional connections, and absolutely brilliant. But yeah, food is so great and such a. Everyone loves it. We could talk about that for ages. Well, maybe not, maybe we should eat dinner and talk about it. Maybe. Yeah. Well, it's funny <laughs> you should say that because um, I'm not sure what the collective of a segue is, but um, there's a lot of those right now because um, Way is currently uh, up at Varuna, the writer's house in Katoomba, uh, working for or with Westwards. You're, tell us what you're doing up there this week. 
Absolutely. I have the absolute privilege, thank you very much, Westwards, um, for bringing me up here to Varuna to mentor a wonderful group of young writers who um, basically, yeah, have, been, have submitted to the Westwards uh, Varuna residency. So as a, a partnership, they're working together to kind of bring their stories to the next level. And they have such a diverse range of talent, ideas, passions. And I'm just really, really honored to be a part of their journey to just kind of see a little bit of what they're doing and um, be able to hopefully hopefully offer some sagely wisdom. I, I'd like to think that I'm a little bit older and wiser now, but um, but also just to see all that promise of um, young talent and new talent and emerging talent and how different it is. I think Australia is going is so well set up for the future of what writing is going to be. It's just going to be absolutely astounding because we have such amazing, diverse and unique voices that are coming into the scene and I cannot wait for you guys all to discover them. So yeah, I'm well, here to help coach them through. Well, the segue, the segue to that was from uh, what Chris said about dinner because I think Chris and I are coming up on Thursday to meet with you. Chris has got some things to discuss with you about or with um, the residents about a couple of matters and I'm going to come along just because I can and I live up there but stick around for dinner as well and that was the other segue when you talked about food and I was going to ask you what how was dinner last night dinner was fantastic Sheila did an amazing job um, mm-hmm. we had some curry some dal oh it was absolutely great and great conversation so Excellent. yeah I think dinner is great <laughs> you're <laughs> in for a treat both of you that's good to hear well I'm going to let you go because you've got to go and mentor some people I do. Absolutely. Um, I can see her waving. <laughs> okay. So thank you so much for talking to us, Wei Chim. Your book is the, again? Surprising Power of a Good Surprising Dumpling. Surprising Power of a Good Dumpling, published by Alan Unwin. Um, yes. Congratulations on the book and thank you again for everything you're doing for us and, and have a great week. We'll see you on Thursday. Thank you. See you guys soon. Thanks. Right. Bye. Bye. So she seems nice, doesn't she, Chris? I can't wait to go and talk to her and yeah. jam. That's yeah, going to be no, awesome. she, she's great fun. Um, so uh, that's kind of um, – oh, I'll just make sure that she's gone. She has. She's off to do her mentoring thing. Um, we've got a couple of news items to share today. Um, one of them is that just uh, late last week, the Children's Book Council of Australia announced its winners for this year. Um couple of surprises, I have to say. Yeah. I'm not going to say why they were surprises, but to me they, a couple of them were surprises. Um, but we had a couple of Western Sydney people who, who either got gongs or were shortlisted. I'm just going to run through a couple of those. Emily Rodder, of course. Um, she's no stranger to anyone who's got children who read. She's She lives in the Blue Mountains, so I will call We'll consider her a – this microphone's on. Yeah, it keeps on cutting in it. Uh, we'll consider her a Western Sydney writer. Toby Riddle, who also lives in Katoomba, his book uh, Yahoo Creek, which is a – have you seen that one? Yahoo no, Creek? I haven't seen it. It's basically, it basically takes all the um, all these old reports from way, way back uh, of people seeing a big Yeti-like creature. Oh. And he's done his usual thing with stamps and kind of interesting colours and it's very moody but he's actually reproduced – um, he's had to modify the language in a couple of places but largely reproduced the uh, um, the news reports of people finding coming out from the woodshed and coming face to face with a giant hairy man. My old boyfriend actually who grew up in Katoomba right. um, had, had an encounter in the bush there when he was in year five. Oh. You sure it wasn't just one of the guys who hangs around outside the family hotel on a Thursday night? 
not if he was in the middle of the bush and covered <laughs> in hair. True. Oh, well, there you go. And w- was he convinced that it was some sort of Yahoo-type beast? He was scared out of his brain. Nice. Fell off his BMX bike. Right. Ran home. And the next day when he came home, the BMX bike that he dropped in the middle of the bush was at his back fence. Covered in hair. No. No, no hair. So that's an interesting one. Yahoo! It was Creek. a hairy situation. A hairy situation. Nice. So um, I recommend you check that one out. Frances Watts, who is has worked with Westwards in the past, she got one book of the year for her little book. I think it's called My Friend, My Friend Fred. I think. Oh, God, I, I've got to, I hope I haven't got it wrong. Um, but most excitingly for us is somebody that we have done a little bit of work with and hoping to do a lot more with, Jasmine Seymour, uh, who is a, a teacher at Riverston. She's also a Darug woman who did a book with uh, Leanne Mulgo Watson called Kui Mitigar, which was shortlisted. That was that beautiful book that you showed me beautiful the other day out book. at Stanhope Library. Stunning book, and that was um, and that was shortlisted for or Leanne was shortlisted for best new or emerging illustrator. But in fact, Jasmine, who also did a book through Magabala called Baby Business, uh, which she illustrated herself, she actually won best new illustrator. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I was talking to her on Friday trying to tee her up for something and uh, to, to do something with us and um, and she w- I said to her, was it a big event on Book Week at your school? And she said, oh, I was a rock star. You know, <laughs> so all the kids are like, yay, Mrs. Seymour, you're the best. It's so great that the kids actually get to see somebody that they know that has done so yeah, well. Totally, totally, absolutely. And, um, yeah, it sort of personalises it for them and, and I guess it sort of demystifies the idea of where books come from that somebody – something I've, I've sort of always made a point of when I do my own work in schools, the kids will often say yeah, when it's question time and usually it's the young kids, not year 10, but I won't you – know, by and large it's the younger kids ask a question like, do you have a dog? And the teachers will be like, don't, don't ask him that, ask him a proper question. And I, I, go, I always go, that, that's a perfectly proper question. You know, I, I want kids to know that writers are just people who tell stories. Um, so congratulations to Jasmine. Yeah. And we're really excited about working with her at some point in the future. Um, there's some other news around a couple of her books, but we can't really share those yet, so I'm just going to throw a little teaser there. That's so mysterious. I know, right? I don't it's like al- it when people do that. It's almost as mysterious as a big hairy man riding a BMX. <laughs> Nobody actually saw him ride the bike. Well, we have to assume. Um, you assume. <laughs> um, and while we're being – well, we're going to have a gratuitous plug right now for Chris. You've just dropped some art off at something. Where, where have you been? I take, did. Where have you been taking your photographs, your beautiful black and white photographs of your daughter, which are all kind of – Yeah, they were, they were um, kind of ethnographic, ethnographic commentary um, – on the faceless subject. Mm. So, so there's giant black and white. Yeah, giant black and white prints that yeah. are very, very beautiful. And um, I just dropped them at Fisher's Ghost at Campbelltown Arts Centre. So what, what's Fisher's Ghost? We, so uh, Fisher's Ghost is one of the biggest money prizes for art in Australia. So it's a $20,000 prize, um, which is... Not too shabby. No, it's better than a poke in the eye, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, and there's several several categories, one of which is um, a local category. For There's an extra award for MacArthur artists right. as well, um, which is nice for 
all the artists in this area. Mm-hmm. Even nicer if you actually win it. Uh, but it's really it's one of my favorite actually art art exhibitions of the year and the reason why is because every time I go to the opening which unfortunately we won't be having in person this year Mm. every time I go to the opening I see such a diverse range of people people that would not normally go to an art gallery and children just running through the art gallery um, and it quite often coincides with the next weekend they do the Fishers Kids Festival, which Westwards has actually worked at before, mm. where it's so great to see all these children in the art space, in the gallery space that is usually so quiet and so serene and such an adult space. And it kind of um, it changes it somehow. And I love that the like just the regular people that would never go to the art gallery come into the gallery, drink wine, drink champagne, grab some really good canapes and just chat and like look at the art. Mm. And it's a really diverse range of art as well that gets put in. So it's not just photography? No, it's not just photography. So it's actually it's a contemporary art award mm-hmm. um, but there is photography, there's sculpture, there's um, also children's categories. So there's a couple of rooms that are primary school and they're like some of the local primary schools love to put in a couple of their pieces. Um, and the, um, there's also secondary as well, which is quite often so astounding at the quality um, that is coming out of just teens um, like amazing portraiture or amazing drawing that – is incredible and, lot, um, and can I just say yeah. both of my daughters <laughs> were selected as well so oh, very nice well the thing I do love about um, art by high school kids in particular is they're often you know sometimes with their creative writing they're a bit kind of um, you know over the top and they, they're uninhibited in all sorts of ways but often with art they actually have quite a political angle to a lot of what they do don't they that's one thing that um, astounds me every year because these are not themed competitions mm. but it's really um, the zeitgeist is kind of very evident every time you go through. You can see um, kind of energetically where people's heads are at and they all have a common strain that is their concern at this moment. And it mightn't be something that you see in the news all the time. It just might be something out in the ether that mm. everybody is kind of – tapped into um and the way that that is expressed is expressed a million different ways um but yeah. it's really funny i, I mean I've, I've i've talked about this i think on the podcast i'm not sure but um you know when i went to a, a school in uh over in scott morrison's seat actually over in cook and um and as i walked in the front of this school there was a, a painting that a, one of the year 10 students or year nine students had done and it was a, a, a riff on the on the great wave you know the japanese that famous japanese painting the great wave um but it was tony abbott was standing in that wave. oh my goodness in his red speedos with his hands out in this sort of gargoyle like fashion over a refugee boat that was on the front of the on the front of the wave and i just looked at it and i went oh my god and i was really kind of amazed that the school would well, not amazed, but impressed that the school would put this at the front in their front foyer. So I took a photo of it and I tweeted it and said, "I love it when kids get politically engaged in art." In art, 
the level of hatred that came in my direction, not at me but about what I'd said, you know, people saying things like those parents should be hung, drawn and quartered for telling their kids they have a they have a political voice. You know, they're, they're just kids, let them shut up. And I was like, are you serious right now? These kids are going to be adults in, you know, you could argue they're adults now, but these are the kids of the next generation that run our country, if you like, and, and occupy this world and they've just got to sit quietly and say nothing. I mean, that epitomises the whole young adult thing for It me. really does. I mean, you know yourself, raising children, you're, you know, if you run, you know, the household that I've run, I encourage my children to have whatever opinion it is that they have like they engage with the world on their own kind of basis of course who I am impacts them and impacts how they see the world but I mean everybody who's had a teenager knows that they you know are not backward in turning around and questioning why you have the opinions that you have or telling you when they think that you're you know left of center of if the centre is their opinion, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but, but you see the same pushback when it comes to um, the climate, the climate mm. and environmental stuff when children are expressing that they are. Um, I mean, you only had to look at um, the, the hurrah in um, the USA when all the climate protests were on it was all the young people and mm. they were, oh, they should be in school. And I'm like, wow, you're really not engaging with what they're saying no, that's at right. all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's, you know, as artists and as parents and as adults, I think our greater, personally, I think our greater obligation and responsibility is to teach and teach young people to look at their ideas and make sure that the ideas that they're having uh, are supported by you know, the evidence and of course. that they're not falling into kind of cognitive dissonance around you know, um, bad arguments, if you like. And so, so, yeah, that was um, – anyway, that's my take on young people and art. I think fill your boots, guys. If you've got something you need to say, then what better place to say it than through art, really? And I mean, who's it hurting? Well, hopefully it's not hurting anyway. Hopefully it's actually helping – Absolutely. Lots of people. I mean, condescension is a healthy thing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, now what other news have we got, uh, Chris? Have we got any other news to share with our people? We've got um, we've got the news that Judith Crispin, who uh, was the winner of the Blake Prize this year, you can, um, you can go to our YouTube channel, uh, Westwards Official, and you can see an interview I did with Judith and uh, Louise Carter, who was the runner-up. Of the Blake Prize, but she's going to be our guest at the Kitten Club, uh, which is the um, spoken word event on the 2nd of November. So get our website for details on that. Is there anything else? I think the only other things um, that I've had come across my desk is I've been pushing out Rawa Haja has done a reading of her book, The F Team, which, Rawa is, just, Haja, yep, yep. which has just been um, released by Giramondo. Mm-hmm. Um, we should probably talk about Booktober as well. Booktober. Booktober is off and running. Definitely off and running. So if you are if you haven't caught up with Booktober, here's a short version. Are you ready? Uh, remember the old um, readathons we used to do? The MS Readathon. Well, I had my picture in the local paper. Did you? Oh, I read 400 books. There you go. <laughs> so it's a bit similar to that except it's for grown-ups. And so the idea is you go to booktober.org. .au or just no, .org? it's just .org. Oh, 
booktober.org and um, and you register as a bookworm. You tell us how many books you're going to read and then you get people to sponsor you. And we're raising a bit of money there that is going to that is going directly to putting books in the hands of young people across Western Sydney. So that's a really important thing to... And if you don't want to commit to reading all those books, you mm. can commit to sponsoring people that are, have already signed up. Or is there a big donate button as well? There's Probably a massive donate. Massive donate, donate button. So look for that. It's the you big red flashing miss one. It. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, anything else, or are we all done? What I do you think? think? We're, we're, we're all, all done. done. Well, thank you very much uh, for listening. Thanks, Chris, for being here. And thanks, she's gone now, but I'll thank her anyway for, to Wei Chim for uh, having a chat with us from, from Varuna. I guess I'll see you in Katoomba on Thursday for, for dinner. I can't wait. It's going to be. I'm more s- excited about dinner than the whole day. It's. <laughs> It's been talked up so much. Oh, well, you know that I can't have dinner. I, I've got to leave because the COVID restrictions mean that there's not enough table spaces around the table for me. So I don't know how many spaces I think I take up, but uh, <laughs> but apparently there's not enough of them. So I'm going to have to... Can't you just like... I'll have to sit get on... Get a the, chair outside and, you know, eat by the window. Well, you know, Vici from Varuna yesterday when we were sort of all being or- – when they were all being orientated to the space, she said, you know, if you don't want to sit around the table and have dinner because of COVID, you can just sit on the couch with a, with the plate on your knee. And I just – it just immediately – images of a wake came to me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Tom's in the corner sort of resting quietly in his pine box and everyone else is sitting around and telling slightly off-colour stories. Or balancing their sandwiches and on balance, the coffin. <laughs> balance, that's right, resting their pastitsis on the <laughs> coffin. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so thank you very much to everyone for listening and as we always say uh, at the end of our podcast, happy creating. Bye.